This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, this sucks. All right, I was up kind of close, closer to your way than normal recently. I was up in Whitefish, Montana. Oh yeah, how's things down the states? Still crazy? Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, after last year, I'm like, eh, whatever. It's nothing, nothing compared to last year, right? Um, the the snowstorms all the rage right now. So, which for us, it turned into like six inches. That's nothing for you guys. Yeah, yeah. We've been pretty good with snow, but we just had a pretty nasty cold spell. So it's been. Uh, it's been pretty good today. It was like, I think, a minus six Celsius, so it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, uh, yeah, up in Whitefish, they're like, oh, it's not bad out. It's it's literally like single digit, like one degree. I'm looking at kids running around with just sweatshirts on, whereas here they would have us, like, your, your kids are going to have, like, snow jackets wrapped up and then scarves wrapped up to their heads, you know. They're canceling schools because it's too cold. It's, it's funny how cold is perceived differently in yeah, different man. places. So uh, what part of the U.S. are you from? Where are we hitting you up from today? Uh, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky is where I'm at today. I'm from southeastern Kentucky, which is the Appalachian Mountains. What's it like down there? I'm, I've never really been to the States. So I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be pretty pretty flat and probably like Alberta, I imagine. The So the part of the state I'm in is fairly – like it's more hilly. It's just kind of rolling hills, horse farm country, you know, Lexington – uh, which is about an hour from here is is your like horse capital of the world. So if, whatever you imagine, like the rolling horse farm country, uh, that that's kind of where we're at. Like when I go running here, I'm running through horse farms and it looks, you know, much like that. Where I'm from, though, uh, is actually um, the Appalachian Mountains. It's the Bl- Black Mountain, which is the, um, one of the tallest or the I think it's the tallest peak on the East Coast. Um, but you know, much older mountains. It's not like the Rockies or anything where it's, you know, so steep, but you know, more, more, you know, 
I don't want to call them rolling mountains, but they're, they're, it's just not quite as as tall. Um, but that's where I'm from, Cumberland Gap area, made famous by Daniel Boone and all that good stuff. Yeah, all the history stuff. Cool, man. Yeah, it's a cool area. Yeah, no doubt. So, what do you? Uh, what kind of critters do you get to hunt down in Kentucky? I am doing a. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, into whitetail, turkey, squirrel, uh, and I used to do a bunch of dove every year, but I haven't. Um, I haven't gotten to do that the last couple seasons. But yeah, I mean, I'm hardcore into whitetail and turkey. Yeah. What, uh, when's the turkey season for you guys down there? Turkey season will kick off in a few weeks. So, uh, it's, I'm, I'm a pump. We got Jeremiah Dowdy's coming in. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's the, from fill the plate guy. And, uh, we, we were supposed to do this hunt last year. We had a winner from a sweet stakes and go wild. And, you know, he's, he's coming down from Michigan. So I've got Jeremiah coming in and, uh, we're going to, we're going to get after some birds here on some property I hunt. Oh Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love turkey hunting. We've been doing it for quite a while. It's a, it's a blast. We got to our starts middle of April, and that's that's pretty good for us here. Usually, hopefully, all the snow's gone by then. But some years we've had, uh, yeah, we've been chasing birds in a foot of snow. So, yeah, we don't we don't typically deal with that here. Like foot of snow would not be turkey weather. I I have hunted turkeys in the snow here. I've uh, two years ago we had this crazy season where it was. Uh, I went from like getting snowed on, uh, one day of the week and I had like snow piling up on me, which is just super unusual. You know, that's a few weeks from the Kentucky Derby. And then later in the week it was 60 or 70 degrees, you know, that much of a swing in Turkey season. Yeah, that's cool. So you hunt, uh, whitetail, I guess in the fall, all fall. Yeah. I, it opens up really early here. It's a, you know, it opens up in like September and, um, you know, maybe first week of September, second week of September, you can start archery hunting here. So it's a, it's a great state to get them in velvet. Uh, I have not gotten a velvet buck yet. Um, I usually don't get out much until like October and, you know, it really picks up here mid November. You'll usually catch them in rut. Um, it gives, obviously that can have a huge swing on. It can be early November or even late November, but that's generally when, when the, the peak of the action is, and that's when our gun season opens up here. And this year was insane. The, I always just out of boredom on opening day gun season, uh, you know, you're sitting in a stand is typically how we hunt whitetail, uh, on the East coast. And I'm sitting there and I usually count how many gunshots I hear before 8am. And the previous record was 43 where I, yeah, it's like 43. And then this year it was more than 200. And I was like, I I can't even, or no, maybe it's a, now I've lost track. I can't remember what it was. It was like a hunt, maybe a hundred plus, um, and I think I heard 200 throughout the day is what I, I made a mental note of, but like it, that just shows you how many more people were hunting this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know up in uh, Canada here, well, BC in particular, we had uh, a huge influx of, um, general season tags purchased this year. It was up from 85,000 last year to I think 105,000 this year. And I think, you know, I don't know if we're going to see that continuation through to, to, to 2021, but um, I think personally, I think a lot of it just had to do with COVID and, you know, everybody was oh, trying to, it, trying to get outside. Yeah, it definitely did. And I mean, it's not just, uh, trying to get outside. I think, I think a lot of it is that they're, you know, hunting has really declined from other things not being available, you know, or, or other, other entertainment being available. So you had youth leagues, you had, you know, kids have Fortnite, and there's just like the on-demand entertainment is everywhere. Uh, youth entertainment is everywhere. And so much of hunting, you know, through the eighties when it was at its peak was, you know, okay, we're on the weekend. What else are we going to do other than go out and rabbit hunt with, with, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, grandpa and, and, and there was that aspect of it. Now we lost a lot of that. And I think this resurgent that we just went through a lot of it was like, well, 
sports are canceled. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're not going to the movie theater. And yeah, I mean, there were obviously like some things didn't go away like video games. And, you know, actually it was a great year for the video game industry last year, but hunting came back when all that other stuff went away, which I've been saying for years that I felt like the competition wasn't people's lack of interest in hunting. It's just that there's just been more entertainment. Um, yeah. There's too many options. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think, I don't, I don't know if we'll have another, if 2021 will be another 10% growth, it'd be amazing if it was. I'm, my hope is that people made investments into, you know, outdoor gear at an, an amazing rate last year. So I'm hoping that they'll stay, keep those investments. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to monitor it all right now. Like firearm sales in the United States are insane and you can't really attribute it to anything other than just FOMO like or, or fear. People are, you know, it's all self-defense stocking that's completely irrational. So you can't tie it to like any one thing because people are buying hunting rounds just because it's the only rounds they can find. So you can't like, there's no data to walk away with, with from there. It's just, it's all, you know, scared people who don't know what's going to happen to their guns and they're afraid legislation is going to happen to take them away. So they're just fear buying up here. It's uh, it's pretty tough to get ammo. I've been looking for, I shoot like for my 308 to shoot a 168 grain, man, I cannot find that grain bullet anywhere. I've looked yeah. all over. I had to order them there and they said, well, you know, the manufacturers just, they're just out of raw material. So um, yep. it could be September and I'm like, Oh no, September. I mean, like we got a bear season coming up here. So. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to get on like Craigslist and start looking or something. I mean, it's, it's insane, man. A lot of these manufacturers are even dealing with people. Um, I, I know some of them have had like $25,000 personal orders going to somebody's house and they're like, Oh, what's going on there. And uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the fear is that this stuff's hitting the black market because the, the markup on ammunition is just so crazy right now. And, yeah. uh, we're seriously just dealing with such unprecedented times, you know? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So do you ever get out and do any, uh, Western style hunts? Man, I haven't. Um, it's funny. People, people think that, um, I get so many people that are like, Oh, you're the founder of go wild. You must get to do all kinds of awesome stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've done some cool stuff. Like I, I got to go up and do some salmon fishing, uh, in Alaska. I've been down to Texas for like a, a whitetail hunt, but I mean, I, by and large, like my life is going to trade shows and, you know, traveling to meet brands, which is why last year was also so crazy is cause I, I hadn't traveled until last week. Um, I hadn't been on a plane in a year, but I haven't done a Western hunt yet because like part of why I found a go out was I sucked at hunting and I was trying to get better. And I realized that nobody was doing it. Like there wasn't a really a place to build it. So I, I, it's not like I was this expert hunter who, um, you know, was just super passionate about traveling all over the world and hunting. Um, I'm, I'm like your run of the mill white tail hunter, you know, it's like, I'm your average guy, which is, uh, in part, like, I don't, I don't think if I was the, the guy that was so good that he didn't ever want to ask questions, I don't think I would have had the thought to, to create the platform, <laughs> you know, it's like, I wouldn't have had that demand. So, um, part of me is like, I, I would love to eventually get to a point to where like we have bear, uh, bear hunts here in Kentucky, actually, um, black bears have totally rebounded. And I want to, there's things I still want to hunt for, even in our state. Um, I, I, I've, I've been, you know, I got, I grew up, uh, I started hunting when I was a kid and I've been fishing my whole life since I was super young, um, really was into off-roading and everything when I was super young, but like hunting was more casual pastime. And then I got into it more after, after college in my adulthood. And then I don't know, like the last eight years I've been really passionate about whitetail hunting, but it's just, you know, it's something that's very challenging if you're new to it. And I think most people forget that there's 
this this base level of knowledge that beginners don't have. Like you start reading a magazine and you're reading all these terms. And it's like, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And and people forget to explain it for beginners. So a lot of my passion in creating a platform was to make a place where no matter what you were trying to get better at, you could find people that were like you and be able to learn. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I haven't done the Western trip because I'm still in my hunting journey. I'm still, you know, just haven't gotten the chance to, to, to do that. And a lot of that's because I run a startup now. I'm just too freaking busy to plan like a, a week and a half off to go do a Western hunt, but I want to. Yeah, I bet you are. So those trade shows, you know, I, I hear a lot of bit about them and I've, I've talked to a couple of guys about them. What, uh, what's the best trade show to go to? I know probably, was there any trade shows this year or were they all? Uh, yeah, they were pretty much all canceled. I mean, there might've been some small ones that I don't know about, but your big players, you know, your ATA, your shot show. Uh, I, I, I have to imagine, I don't know if they canceled the great American outdoor show, but I, I'm pretty sure they did. Cause that show would have been like last week and we're just not back to a point to where most of these cities are going to lift the bands. I think some of these shows would have considered doing it, but the cities had ordinances that you can't have gatherings of more than like 250 people or whatever. So most trade shows are dead in the water with that range. Now yeah. there are some more intimate shows like uh the professional outdoor media association has a show coming up that's an industry only show and it's going to be you know probably sub 500 people but all the big brands are going to be there and all the big media writers will be there um and it's going to be outside so they're going to they're going to be able to pull that off safely and and host something like that but that's next month in march but really like there's just no way you pull off a shot show with the 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 regulations they were going to have i think even in vegas the the restrictions were going to cut that down to like a few thousand people and shot show is seventy five thousand people in wow. vegas and yeah it's like yeah it's 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 huge you know it's bigger than most colleges in one place and, and i mean one small place right like packed into a casino so i can't imagine doing shot show and all this um you you, you ask like what are the best trade shows that kind of like it depends on what you're you know you're into if in the hunting space um shot show is theatrical it's an experience it's insane like these booths are you know i think people have these perceptions of um kind of like state fair like events which is what the great american outdoor show is it's a fun show you know you should go once and it's absolutely huge and there's all these booths right and a lot of them are smaller but they're there to sell stuff it's a consumer show right like they're selling boatloads of gear at those shows shot show is the industry show you can't get into it um unless you're in the industry so you know you, you may, maybe you got a buddy it's got a retailer or something you can get into it but um unless you're a retailer or manufacturer or distributor or in the media or um you know you can't get into that show but it's still like seventy-five thousand people from the gun industry that are there and these booths are just like imagine a apple store or a tesla store and how fancy that is and how like clean and modern and slick it feels that's sig like sig sour's booth at shot show is is like 200 yards long it's two stories they have this like veranda up top where there's you know cocktails it's insanity man like that's um, crazy it is crazy dude like people don't understand if you've never been and i've been to trade shows for years and I hadn't been to SHOT Show until uh, 2009. Uh, no, I went in 2020. 2020 I, was, I was at SHOT Show. That's actually where I found out about the whole pandemic um, after riding over on a plane. And I saw my first people in masks. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird because I was on the back of a plane with like 30 people wearing masks. Um, and this was early January. And, uh, and then I get there and I'm like, oh, 
what's this virus? Um, but you know, the, um, I, I totally went off on a tangent on the, on the, uh, Oh yeah. 2020. So that was like my first time going there and I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, but otherwise like all, all of the shows are pretty good. Like archery trade show. If you're, if you're into bow hunting, that's the show, right? Like that, a guy that's into bow hunting, that would be his show that he would want to go to shot show is going to have some of those vendors there, but, um, archery just packs into typically it's, a either in Indianapolis or here in Louisville, Kentucky. And you just, you know, you pack 10,000 people in for the world's best bow hunting products and, you know, Hoyt and Matthews and all the way down to your small mom and pops are going to have booths there. And it's, it's super fun. But, um, one of my favorites, man, is, uh, actually a consumer show. It's the national wild Turkey show and it's down in Nashville every year. It's usually held Valentine's day week. And that is one of the most fun shows you can go to. They have, um, some amazing banquets and, you know, you'll have celebrities there that speak to like, uh, Steven Ranella was there last year and he spoke a couple different times and they'll do these big auctions and these dinners and you're getting to meet all these great people. But then they also have like the watering hole, which is where you got local musicians coming out and they're playing and you got, you, you know, there's, op- uh, uh, there's bars there and everybody's just kind of hanging out and talking turkeys, man. Um, it's, it's a super fun show. If anybody's, you know, anywhere within a, a day's drive of going to Nashville for that show and you're into turkey hunting, it's a no brainer in my opinion. Yeah, there's. Uh, I was talking to the BH and A boys about uh, the rendezvous um, that they do, and man, they sure made it sound like a lot of fun. But uh, I think, yeah, 2022, um, I'd like to uh, maybe take the wife and somebody else and go down and hit up uh, at least one show. I mean, it's a little harder for us up here, but to get down there. But uh, yeah, sounds like a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, you could that's for sure. you could strategically. Um, well, ATA and the those are kind of a month out, but that you, you could strategically hit a couple of these shows on a, a road trip. I know people that have done it and they'll hit like ATA and then they'll drive out West even and hit a couple of the Western shows. Cause they all yeah. are happening in January through February. Um, you know, Houston Safari club has an awesome show in Houston. Dallas has an even bigger version of that in Dallas. I mean, all of those are great shows too. I think it just depends on what you want and those are consumer shows. So anybody can go to those. If you're, yeah. if you're a consumer, and, and you were like, if you're like, nah, man, I just like shooting stuff and hunting stuff. Like, and you just want to see it all. Like the great American outdoor show is huge. And it, you could walk, you couldn't do all the booths in a day. Like there's, you couldn't, it's that big. Um, the, the, the it's, it's like similar size to shot show in terms of its footprint. Um, and it's, I, I don't remember how many thousands of vendors there are, but it's huge, right? Like that, that's a fun one. If you just want to go geek out and eat some fair food and, um, you know, uh, see all kinds of stuff ranging from like black guns to archery to camo bags, you know, that's a fun one for consumers. Um, if you really want to book, you know, if somebody were asking me like where to go meet guides and you just want to meet a ton of guides all at once, you could do great American outdoor show. They do have a lot of guides there and there's a whole section just dedicated to that. But I would tell you to go to a Houston safari club. That's going to have like 300 guides in one place or a Dallas safari club where there's going to be this high concentration of them. And it's super fun because you can go through, you can see what the prices are. They have, um, you know, mounts and stuff that are there. And even just walking through and seeing the mounts is incredible at those shows, but it really like, it's hard to answer best show because everybody's what they want out of something's really different. Like, um, you know, some guys would get into shot show and it'd be cool to see products, but if you wanted to find hunting guides, like that's not the place to go. They don't have that, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. I think you just maybe hit one up one year and then try something else out and yeah, figure it out for yeah, yourself, I guess. And they're all in cool locations. So, you know, yeah, uh, you, yeah. You that's a cool thing for us. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, we're up into, 
we're up here. So, you know, just to get down to the States is, uh, is a fun adventure. So, yeah. And, and I mean, literally all of no matter what city it is, there's something fun to do. Like, um, you know, in, when you're, if you go to ATA and Indian, Indian Louisville, this area is a great food scene. Now, Lord knows what is going to be left of it after the 2020 steamrolled the doll because we're losing restaurants left and right here. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're here for like a long weekend, um, I mean, Louisville's the bourbon, I don't know if you're a bourbon drinker, but Louisville's like the bourbon capital of the world. 98% of the world's bourbon is made within an hour drive of here. So, you know, really? spending, cool. yeah, yeah. Spending a weekend here, you can find all kinds of stuff to do with the distilleries. we got great breweries. It's, it's, literally the, some of the best restaurants in the world. I have a hard time traveling anymore and, and enjoying, like we, we went to Chattanooga and I had a great time with my family. Uh, but I was like, man, you just get so spoiled by the food. Like the food scene wasn't, and I don't mean to like poo poo on Chattanooga. It's an awesome town, but like, it's just how good the food scene is here in Louisville that you kind of get spoiled by it. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome, man. We're going to yeah have to plan something for sure. I know we, we were talking about it. We were talking about going this year, but just too much crap going on still. So yeah, it's tough to travel right now, man. Yeah. But, uh, so today I'm talking with, uh, the co-founder and CEO of go wild. Um, thanks for joining me today, Brad, I guess, uh, we kind of dove into that conversation before I got a chance to introduce you, but, uh, you know, how do you say your last name? I've heard it's pronounced two different ways. Yeah. Well, my wife would tell you it's the right way and the wrong way. So, uh, <laughs> my wife, my wife says I say my name wrong, which is, uh, Luttrell. And, and again, I'm from Appalachia. So she says, I say a lot of things wrong. Um, I don't have as thick of an accent as I used to. I think, uh, going to school and getting made fun of for a while kind of beat some of the crazy ways I used to say stuff out of me. Uh, but it, a lot of people say Latrell, uh, which is wrong, but I don't correct them. I didn't know you could say my name wrong until I got to college. Uh, I grew up in like such a small town that everybody knew my dad because my dad was everybody's insurance agent and yeah. like, they just knew, you know, there wasn't a lot of people around. So yeah, see, um, I would think it's it's pronounced Luttrell myself, yeah. but yeah, there's that. I, I mean, I don't even correct anybody anymore. My co-founder Zach has known me for almost 10 years and he still says my name wrong and he knows it and he just doesn't care enough to try to learn the right way. So yeah, well, you know. I get that all the time with my last name. Everybody pronounces it toy. Like there's six <laughs> E's after it. So, well, how do you say your last name? Just toy, just like toy. a regular okay. yeah, okay. toys for yeah, us. Yeah. yeah. I could, I could see people putting like the accent on the end of it. Toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 You hear them all. So you mentioned, uh, you went to school. What did you, so what did you do before you, you, uh, you started go wild? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. I, my whole career is basically a series of pivots. Um, I went to school for journalism and, and I, uh, I had like a specialty in photography just in that that's what I like to do the most. And I graduated in the great recession, which was historically the worst time for journalism there's ever been right like I, I i got an internship and i went on a vacation and i came back and i'm like where'd everybody go and they're like oh we laid them all off right like it was in this time of uh literally journalism was just getting raked over the coals so that was my entry to the job market so i moved to memphis after going to the university of kentucky and i was a photojournalist there which was an interesting place to be a photographer um, a news photographer, especially because Memphis at the time was the second most dangerous city in America. And there was plenty of like crime and just action going on. I spent a week with the Memphis police, uh, photographing police, um, you know, trying to keep all the city moving. And it, it was, it was interesting. Um, I liked Memphis. It was not my favorite though. And my girlfriend at the time was in Louisville. So I ended up moving to Louisville and, uh, people are, think this is funny because I'm now like running a hunting tech company, but, and you don't see this coming, but I actually started a wedding photo agency and I, I, I had like a couple of contractors we were working with. We were in three different cities 
And I ran that for two years and it honestly was paying good money. And I had grown it like to be something that was doing well. But, um, I kind of realized that I just, a, I did, I wasn't very good at photography, like in terms of a commercial sense, I wasn't as good as the competition. And I didn't, I didn't feel like there was room for me to grow there. And, uh, B, I just wanted to get into something that was a career that I could, you know, scale up my salary without having to just work more hours, which when you're a contract photographer, like I was doing, that was kind of the challenge. So I went into, um, I, I left journalism and photography altogether and I got into, advertising as a social media manager this was back in like i don't know 2011 or 12 and uh started managing social media content for restaurants really was what i was doing and uh i worked there for two years i ended up doing some pr there i had a, i got a kind of a lateral promotion which is not a promotion at all but i i started working on pr i got fired from that job uh for i had another company that i was working on on the side with who's now my co-founder go wild but me and him were working on a different company and they found out about it and they fired me over it which so it's kind of funny i've always had this entrepreneur bug if you can't pick up on that already um, yeah i got it i kind of got that feeling yeah. Uh, there was a music magazine, online music magazine that I started in there, uh, that I didn't mention, but it made like $7, uh, period ever. And I ended up shutting that down too. So I've had a few failed runs here. Um, but then I went into, um, another ad agency and I started off as a copywriter, literally writing toilet blogs. Like I was writing blogs for a plumber's website and <laughs> I worked my way up to a creative director. So I was working on some cool accounts, like uh, I, we were doing a ton of branding and digital marketing and website builds. So I was learning a lot at a rapid pace and I, I got really confident in my ability to build digital products. And I was still looking for that next thing. And I, even when I got hired at that job, I told them, I said, I'm going to quit one day and go do my own thing. I don't know when that's going to be, but I just want to let you know, since I just got fired for this and the, um, the thing ended up being go wild. And I looked at, it wasn't like, I was looking to start a hunting company. I think people that hear our story think that like it was our way into the industry and it's not. And I actually think it's cooler that it's not because it's not like I was, you know, determined to get into the hunting industry. So I found a way to create something that added value to the hunting industry. It was more like I was a hunter and I, I was a creative director at this ad agency and I was trying to find information about hunting and I kept running into all these god awful forums that from like the early 2000s that looked like crap because you think of how much the internet advanced over like 15 years right something built in 2001 that was still in use by you know 2016 at the time which was very much the case like a lot of this stuff was from 04 05 and it, the, these outdated forums there was no way to filter by location there was no way to filter by species i'm like dude i just want to talk to other whitetail hunters in kentucky but i don't know any right like that was my biggest challenge and I, after frustration, after frustration, I kind of started to, you know, think about why is it this way? And then I had a moment where this was kind of the, the pinnacle of it all, where I had a guy, uh, actually it was a uh, owner of the company I was working at troll me over posting a deer photo on Facebook. And I was like, dude, like you, what a shame that you can't post about something that you love to do without getting trolled and harassed about it. Like, I'm going to go build a place where we can all just you know, it's kind of like deer camp. Like I'm going to go build a place where we can all hang out and talk about this without having to put the defense up all the time. And I think so much of social media content, you know, people 
people get really nasty with each other out of the gate. And it's just like, we're always on guard and you know uh, your, your fingers always on the trigger on social media because you're constantly having to defend something. And, yeah. and I just felt like if we had a platform where I could talk to other deer hunters who get it, like that wouldn't be the case. That was our big bet was that the community would be nicer because you didn't have to constantly defend it. People just get it, you know? So I, uh, I started, actually, I went back to the guy that, um, got fired with, um, me and him were two of the first co-founders and I pulled in two more and we met in my basement. So, we, so where are we, where are we sitting right now? What year are we in right now? Just yeah, I covered like a, I covered like seven years of time there in uh, three minutes. But it, uh, yeah, it I'm just working on the chronology here. Yeah, 2016. So gotcha. from 2011 to 2016, I had uh, kind of put in my time in in the ad industry, and um, I I didn't quit my job until 2018 to go full time with this. But 2016, uh, actually over a Christmas break because that's when much of the early product was built. People people don't realize how hard you have to work to build something, but um, we were, you know, we had vacation time from the companies we worked at. So we were meeting on our vacation time uh, with each other. And so we, we ordered pizzas. We had some beers. My dog was there. We had $500 and some post-it notes. And that's literally how Go Wild started. Um, my wedding photo agency, I had forgotten about the, this is so funny, man. I, I, I tried to get my wife to, I was like, I need $10,000 to start this company. And she said, are you out of your mind? Um, uh, and I was like, yeah, I think so. Uh, Cause I really want to do this. And so um, I, I found that I had never closed down my bank account from the the photo company and it only had like 500 bucks left in it. And so I was like, I, that's it. I'm taking that and I'm going to figure out how to start a company of $500. So we started uh, working on Go Wild in 2016. And, and, you know, there was all these discussions. People think like, like you, you found something digital and they think it just took shape. And now it's like, oh yeah, it's so clear that you guys would have been a place where you can, you know, get gear advice. Like we, like now, now today it's a totally different thing, but it wasn't clear at the time, man. It's like, we had to figure out, are we going to be a mapping platform? Cause that was a, like a serious question. You know, I wasn't even familiar with Onyx at the time. I didn't know what Onyx was and they weren't new. Onyx had not raised the money that made Onyx what it is today. This was pre Onyx being everywhere. Uh, it, it was, you know, there wasn't a clear path that we, uh, should or shouldn't do mapping there, you know, there were all these questions to be mapped out. And what's cool is I still, ha we had these oversized post-it notes and I've still got them hanging in my basement today. Um, uh, I don't know how my kids haven't ripped these things down cause they ruin everything, but you know, they're hanging there with the dates on them from December, 2016. And I keep them up there in my gear closet. Uh, and it, it kind of just reminds me of like where everything started. And, you know, every day I, I literally look at, I actually stopped the other day and was kind of looking at all the stuff we had planned and we've done all of it. It's really cool to see that it's all come to light. Um, I need to frame yeah. them, hang them that, in the office. You know, I think a, it's, that's a cool feeling, man. Um, you know, when you can, uh, yeah, when you can look back on that stuff, cause you know, you, you touched on it there, you know, starting a business isn't easy and, um, being like yourself and, you know, just a natural born entrepreneur, you know, I can kind of relate. I started my first business when I was 18 and, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people look at, you know, look at you now and then they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, you had it pretty easy. You had it pretty good, but yeah, you, they don't see the road that you traveled <laughs> on to get there. 
For sure, man. I had a guy one time say, man, it must've been really easy to start a company in the outdoor space with all the connections you had. And I was like, dude, I didn't know anybody. Like I didn't know a single soul. I didn't even know. I, I had never thought about the outdoors as an industry. You know, it's like, I loved it, but I had never, I, I had worked in literally all kinds of industries from like the tobacco industry to the wine and spirits to restaurants and hospitality. And I'd never thought about the outdoors in an industry. The outdoors is just what people did where I was from. And, and so, you know, the, um, we, we worked on it for a year before we launched it. Uh, it launched in September, 2017 in beta on iOS. We started raising money, um, in 2017. I, I didn't know how to do that either. I had to teach myself all that. Uh, I literally started with Googling like how to raise money for an idea. And, um, you know, I quit my job in 2018 and I still worked a side hustle. I worked a side hustle for six months as a interim director of marketing for an insurance technology company, um, just to be able to get go out off the ground. And, um, you know, I went full-time with it, uh, truly full-time at the end of 2018. And we had four or five employees at the time. And, um, you know, now we've, things have really changed now. I mean, we're, uh, just in a totally different place, but I mean, it's been, um, it's just like so much struggle through it all. Like, right. Right. People, people, I can, I mean, I can, I do a lot of startup podcasts too. And it's like, people don't even realize in the Midwest how hard it is to start a company here. That's like what we're doing. Like, I feel like I'm growing a pineapple in Kentucky sometimes because the, the soil's <laughs> not right for it. Right. Like, like the, the investor mindset here, people, people don't want to hear you talk about growing a social media company, right? Like they want to see revenue and they want to, it's a totally different set of metrics. So um, there's just a lot more than what, you know, people think is behind that fun platform to talk about people on, about hunting. And I don't want them to think about that. That's what we love. Like, I love that people just get on there and have fun. And you know, maybe that's how they wind down their night, or maybe that's how they prep for turkey hunting the next day or whatever. I don't want you guys thinking about <laughs> all the strife that we've been through, but I just say like a lot of, a lot of our team has put in so much into it and it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun ride though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good, man. It's motivating to hear stuff like that and hear success stories. So maybe, uh, maybe we should just kind of tell people what go wild is. I mean, down in the States, I think it's a little more popular than it is up here in Canada. So, um, right, yeah. we're getting a lot of you guys up there, yeah, man. It's funny because we, it's funny because there's certain things that you don't know are broken until you get people using them. Right. And, and like something recently, people are like, dude, my zip code won't work. And we're like, what are you talking about? And then we realized that, you know, uh, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, like we didn't have all these international zip codes yeah. working. Um, that's just one example, but you know, we're, we've been getting, I don't know. I have no idea how many people we have in Canada now. Um, I haven't heard that statistic. Uh, we typically don't look at it that way. Uh, it's more of like how many people are logging in per month. Um, but, but I know it's strong because when you download go wild, you get a message from me uh, that that one's automated. But when people respond back, I actually, that's me reading and responding. So, uh, I, I just know that anecdotally there's a lot of Canadians in there because they tell me like, Hey man, um, you know, uh, love to get more people from up here or they remind me like, man, I wish you guys would ship the sticker packs up here. <laughs> so that was something else we had to fix recently. Um, all right, I'll tell you, I'll answer your question of like, what is it? Um, so I'm going to answer this in two ways, uh, or twofold. The, the first thing we built in the basement was a kind of like an outdoorsy Reddit in that it was a forum based communication platform for the outdoors. So you, you know, when you post into deer hunting, you were basically accessing everybody that followed that topic. We call those trails, those, those 
forum topics are called trails and then you have a trail mix. So that's like your filter of everything. So that's like the cream of the crop from everything that you follow. So if you follow small game hunting, elk hunting and predator hunting, the top posts from those forums, uh, over the last like 48 hours or so, are going to be pulled into your, your content feed. That's where we started. We had a trophy feat, uh, feature that's still really popular. Um, and we, we had some recipes, like there were, there was a lot of stuff in that early days that's still there. Um, but over time, what happened was we, we started seeing that people, the, the biggest barrier to getting into the outdoors or to learning is gear. You know, if you want to start deer hunting, that one of the biggest questions people ask is like, what kind of gun, what caliber of gun, you know, it's, guns. I mean, there's so much to learn, right? It's a big, big barrier. And so people were using our platform to crowdsource that knowledge. Well, in 2019, this is, this is at like full bore gear, gear conversations are all the rage in the platform. That's like a ton of content is about gear. So we actually started building in a, on top of the forums, we wanted to have the way, the ability to, so that if, you know, uh, Kevin asked me or ask a question, um, Hey, I want to get a new bass fishing rod and reel set up, but I don't know what to buy. I could actually comment and just tag it right there. Right. Instead of you leaving the platform and all that junk, like we wanted to be able to tag the gear right there. So, so we've built that in since 2019. And so now we've, we've really kind of pioneered what I think like you see so much about social commerce these days in tech news, we're really pioneering that with go wild. Like it's way cooler in my opinion, and I'm a little biased here, but it's way cooler than what Instagram's doing. Instagram, you know, brands can have a product and you can buy it from them, but in our platform, it's all member generated content. So, you know, if you, uh, post that you use this gun and you tag it on your, your whitetail trophy or your bear trophy, then in the future, when people look up that gun in our platform, they're going to see that content tagged to it. So as you're shopping for something and you're trying to find, maybe it's even a flashlight or a knife or whatever it is. And you like the, when people research something, they just want to know, is it good for the thing I'm trying to do? Right? Like that's what it comes down to the most. So we've built in this really cool system to be able to look up gear if there's, if there's content tagged to it, you'll see it on that product page. You'll, we have reviews built in. We're working on even telling you like, uh, actually this is live today. Uh, that it, you can look up a product and they'll say like these member popular members who use this product. And then we're, we're working on building in like, um, 25 people use this product. It's mostly used for whitetail hunting. Um, you know, there's been 130 hours logged on the platform with this really just giving you insights to show that this product has found success or maybe not within the thing that you're trying to do. So the platform today is much more of a, um, like a way to, you can share your story and stuff just like you always have, but a lot of the 80% of our audience is there to find new gear, research gear, or share the gear they're using. that's one of the, the cooler things you can do on the platform is just kind of show off the, your gear setup too. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. It's kind of like the, you know, I don't want to compare it to Facebook because I hate Facebook. It's uh, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like a, a Facebook for hunters with all, all the, without all the, you know, the repugnant BS that you find on Facebook. It's, you know, it's uh, seems to be a lot of uh, uh, storytelling and, and story sharing and, and experience sharing on there rather than just uh, pointing fingers and judgment. Like you mentioned earlier on Facebook, you always seem to have, have to have your back. Um, yeah, you back up because you never know who's watching or who's going to attack you next. Yeah, for sure, man. And the other thing, fa- people, I don't know how people aren't noticing this. Some people are that are more astute, but dude, Facebook's doubling down on those groups. Um, I mean, they, they cleaned out like 60% of, or no, 40% of the top 100 groups, 
um, over, over a week in January. And, uh, you know, they're saying that a lot of this was political, but we were talking to several big admins of, or admins of big groups. And I'm talking 200,000 plus people in a Facebook group and overnight they got deleted and it was a hunting. One of them was a hunting group. One of them was a, there was another one that size that was a military and tactical group. And we were talking to them, trying to get them to, you know, Hey, you guys should check out go wild because these groups are getting deleted and we're going to give you your own forum. We were going to make like a special forum for those groups. And literally in the conversation of negotiating, like how, how we would get this done with them, they got deleted overnight. So, um, you know, uh, Facebook on, on by their own terms, and I've probably read more of um, the other platforms terms than anybody you've ever talked to. And I don't say that to brag about, but like, I just, I, I go through this stuff to, to prepare for what we need to be thinking of, see what our competitors do. Facebook actually per their own terms is a hunting friendly platform. I think uh, you'd be shocked to see if, how friendly their terms are. You know, it actually says uh, photographs of um, hunt legal hunting, I think is the way they worded or it used to be worded um, are allowed. But I think all of us have, that have, and I haven't posted on Facebook in three years because I deleted my account three years ago. But I think anybody that's posted hunting on Facebook knows that that's not necessarily the case. Like your people are getting put into Facebook jail for 30 days or whatever it is. Um, you know, they're getting content deleted. And a lot of this stuff is from legal hunting. There have been instances even recently where I've talked to people, they posted um, a video of hog hunting that was a legal method to take, but it was, it was, uh, something that was taken down from Facebook because it, it you know, violated their terms of service for, a th uh, extreme behavior or something like that. And it's just like our definition of legal hunting is not the same as the, the content reviewers that are being paid, you know, very little to review content. That's kind of ill-defined. And, and you know, that even state to state hunting legal, um, and it probably, I don't know how this works for you guys up North, but, um, you know, down here, state to state, the laws vary wildly on what's legal and what's not. So, um, how does Facebook going to be able to oversee content and regulate it in, in with a human that doesn't even understand like what legal hunting is, you know? So yeah. I, I think, um, the writing is on the wall. We've seen a lot of, uh, these big groups taken down our big bet in 2016 was that this was the wild West and Facebook wasn't doing anything to mitigate the, uh, the harassment that, uh, that was happening to hunters. And if that's how they were treating the, the members, then that they were eventually going to spin out restrictions on the brands that's 100 happened they doubled down on that in january with uh you know restricting even stronger to the gun accessory companies which most of them are already struggling to advertise on facebook a lot of them the people don't realize how much of this industry gets blacklisted even the rocky mountain elk foundation has had issues with running ads and they're a non-profit that really? literally, literally saves habitat for elk and yet facebook wouldn't let them run an, an ad campaign it took a senator getting involved in uh raising the flag publicly before that campaign was allowed to run so um, I think I think over the next 10 years are going to be the next 10 years will not be what the last 10 years were. We've kind of been through this era of social media where it ballooned and it was dominant in the same way what TV did to radio. And I think you're going to start to see vertical platforms like ours, um, like Strava for cycling, you know, or, or there's all kinds of them. name a hobby. And I can probably find you like next door. I don't know if you guys have next door up there, but it's blowing up all over the or the world, right? Like next door connects you, uh, online with people in your neighborhood to be able to share information quickly with people that live in your area. Oh that, yeah. That's yeah a, I've never heard of that one. It's cool. cool. It's a, it's a vertical network. So vertical networks, in my opinion, is where it's going. I think people are just going to get fed up with, you know, 
banging their head against the wall trying to share content on Facebook. It's just, uh, you know, it's a place where the content's not wanted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if there was no more Facebook, I'm sure it wouldn't be the end of the world. When you say vertical, what do you mean by that? Topic, uh, that's kind of like a an advertising-y, business-y thing to call it. But like vertical meaning uh, a topic it's, it, or, or a, um, oh, I get you. an, an I get you. industry. You could, sometimes you could think of it that way. Uh, but like, I, I, I almost guarantee there's an automotive version of go wild, right? Like, I don't know what it is, but there's probably one out there. There's probably something for golfers. Like, I just think like more that more and more, why would I be interested in sharing my political views with my aunt Susie who is just doesn't agree with anything or my religious views again with my cousin who doesn't agree with me. Like we're just constantly sharing and like into this, this platform and social media has trained us that our opinion matters. And honestly, on a lot of this stuff, it doesn't. And all of us, like it's like everybody feels the need to constantly give their opinion. And, and these, these platforms gamify negative behavior. It gets, it gets, you know, it goes viral because it's getting tons of comments and, it just trains that this is what works and this is what influencers should do. They should stir the pot that to get great engagement. And now everybody's all fired up and it's just a cyclical toxic environment um, that I, I feel like we're all, we're all just going to get worn out on it. I think this will be the first year. I think this year you'll see one of the biggest drops on Facebook usership that you've ever seen um, as a result of people just being burnt out. You know, I think, I think that's what's essentially going to happen and they're going to move into what's called vertical social networks, which is basically just hobby social networks or interest social networks. You know, I, but the thing about Facebook is I always tried to, you know, um, I, I tried to limit how much time I was clicking onto my Facebook account. It was always something, you know, I, I tried to, to be wary of is how much time I'm looking at Facebook. I didn't want to fall into that Facebook trap, so to speak. So but yeah, uh, I mean, people spend an obscene amount of time on these platforms and you know, what's funny is like, I'm ragging on Facebook. Um, but I don't, I don't care if people use Facebook. I fully expect most people won't give up their Facebook when they try our platform, but here's what I'll tell you. Um, for the average Joe, I guarantee you'll like our platform better for whatever you like to do in the outdoors. Like you're just not, there was a guy downloaded go wild. This was last uh, two weeks ago uh, on a Monday. I'm not making this up. I see this all the time. This dude posted into firearms. He was new to firearms. He had a muzzle loader that he was pretty sure uh, was like he needed to discharge it and he didn't know how to do it. Okay. Didn't know the best way to, to fire this gun that was loaded. And he posted, asked the question, and I, I see this post in the feed. It's got 41 comments on it. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. And I wonder if people actually helped him. I, I tap into it and start looking at the comments. They're paragraph long. People took a, like, that's a long, that's a big comment, right? It's not like, it's not like go shoot it, right? Like people are taking the time to try to help this guy. And then there were 41 comments on there in six hours. You know how many followers he had? Three. Like, it's amazing like that the way our system is set up it puts you in front of people that are relevant right it's putting you in front of people who would care about that topic you don't need followers you know that's that we've all been taught that like followers and likes matter none of that matters none of that makes you more important none of that makes you more influential um these these systems have been hacked by people that understand how to manipulate them 
And, you know, just because someone has 10,000 followers doesn't mean they actually know what they're talking about. There's a difference between being an influencer and, and actually having an opinion that should influence. Right. And I, I think uh, so much of the water has been muddied on these other platforms that I think once people try our platform, you know, we, we try to take that stuff off the, uh, actually, I think we're in the process right now of even removing followers from being as prominent as it is on your profile. We really don't want to put emphasis on that. Not because you can't get followers on go wild. Like I, I, before I deleted my, um, actually I deleted my Instagram app, but I still have the, um, account, but like my go wild account, I've been able to build up to be larger than, than that presence. Um, it's not like you can't do that. You can certainly grow it, but you don't need to, you know, because it is forum based. Yeah. What I like about the go wild app is, um, you don't get caught up in a bunch of crap that, that you're not interested in to be given. You know what I mean? Like when you're on Facebook, all of a sudden you're looking at something on Facebook or you want to try to find out some information about, you know, like you said, shooting a gun. Then all of a sudden you're down this loophole and you're <laughs> reading about what Oprah Winfrey's doing. And you're like, what the hell? Like you gotta be, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, the you're, nice you're thing like about 12 you're reading, you're like 12 threads deep on something that Oprah Winfrey said that made you mad. And you're reading through all the comments and you're watching some people call each other names. You're like, dude, I don't even care about Oprah. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah. I mean, you, it allows you to be, you know, you, with the go wild app, you can, you know, you can really be cognizant with your time. And uh, to me, I find it's, yeah, it's very consumer friendly and, and uh, specific to like the hunter needs. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is, um, People, people, I've had the criticism of people say, man, people need to be spending more out, more time outside, not spending more time on an app. I'm like, cool story, dude. But like, not everybody grew up with a grandfather who could teach them to hunt. And, and a lot of people in order to get outside need a place to turn to learn that stuff. And my, my goal here is not to get you to spend 45 minutes a day on the go wild app. You know, we've actually had debates of even shutting the app off. If you use it that much to where you can't get back in the one hang up we've talked about, like, okay, but what if you're having a, a good conversation with somebody who's actually helping you? And that's why you ended up like you were DMing back and forth. And, and all of a sudden you hit your timer and they were giving you advice to go on your hunt tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, that would suck. Like that's something we hadn't thought through, but like, yeah. we don't want you spending 45 minutes a day, just cruising the, the content. I want you to be able to come to the well to drink when you're thirsty and then be ready to go back out. Right. Like we're trying to help people learn, which is why the platform was built. You know, education was at the core of our mission statement. It's still at the core of what we try to do. And we want people to learn and to be able to, to get outside when they're informed, you know, it's not my goal to be your new thing that you have to have open every day. You know, we don't even talk about that really in our business intelligence, uh, as a company, our, your, your time on the, the, the app or the platform is not a metric that we care a whole lot about. When you're going over your background there now, uh, you know, I, I assume I've never, I've never built an app or anything like that. So, but to me, it seems like a very uh, difficult process. You know, how, how does somebody, you know, you're in journalism, you're, you're writing for a plumbing magazine, you know, how did you have the know-how to start an app or is this something that, you know, with your team, you kind of just develop? Well, so the, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more than like when you pull out the app on your phone, there's so much more went into that than just the code. You know, the, uh, think of like building a house, you know, just if I know how to, um, if I'm a designer and I know good aesthetics, I still need a plumber. I need an electrician. I need a framer. Like, 
that there's a lot of different talent that goes into making that house something that people would actually want to have and, and use as a home, right? It's no different with what we do. Um, I, I, I found three other guys who filled in the gaps of my plumber, my electrician, my framer. Like, you know, I found the other roles that I needed. I, my background, I am a, you know, from the advertising world, what we would call a creative. I'm a copywriter, photographer. I, I'm not a designer, but I have a, a, you know, the ability to give productive feedback on design. I can't sit down and like use the tool set, but I know good design. Again, that was part of my job is reviewing that stuff. My, I found, um, you know, my co-founder Donovan Sears designed, um, I actually hired him to do the logo and I didn't know that he was going to be a co-founder, but he ended up coming on board and just saying, I don't want to be paid anymore. Um, as a contractor, I want to just help you build this thing. So he turned down, you know, money to make no money for a long time and to design everything that we were going to need for the platform. Um, all of our branding, all of the, anything you see from the platform today, from our, most of our ads and all of the website and app is designed by him still today. Uh, and then Zach, my co-founder is a data scientist. So when you're dealing with mass amounts of data coming into anything, uh, you have to be able to filter through that and find the good stuff. Um, you know, people get creeped out by the word algorithm. Um, it's, it's not what people think it is like Zach's job is just to be able to predict what posts are going to be popular and to make sure that that good stuff gets to you. Cause if you didn't have these algorithms, you wouldn't find as much value in the platform. Like I'm trying to help you find the good content, the people who are asking questions that you might be able to help versus like the guy who's just self-promoting his duck calls that he builds in his basement all the time. Like nobody wants to see that come through all the time, right? Like now if he's talking about how he builds it in the craftsman story, that's one thing. But if it's just constantly like buy my stuff, buy my stuff, nobody wants to see that, right? So Zach's job was to make sure the content you were seeing was really good. And then uh, Chris was the developer who came on to build out the first version of the app. So he's, you know, he's literally the plumber who's tying up all the data that Zach's controlling and hooking it up to the design. Now, part of you might say, okay, Brad, but what was your role in all that <laughs> as CEO? I'm not the builder, man. Like I'm not the, uh, I'm, I'm more of the, um, I had the vision for the nice plot of land and the, the style of house I wanted to build. And I, I went out and got the team that could build it. And these guys are world-class man. Like every one of the guys I just mentioned are the best of the best at what they do. Donovan is there. I know no one better at UX design. And I have met people from Facebook to Instagram, to Twitter, to next door, to all the big apps that you can think of. And I know no one better at design than him. And I could say the same for all these other guys and, and, and future forward, but those guys built the product. Um, I brought an expertise and then I understood the audience we were trying to serve. And these guys have various levels of interest in the outdoors. You know, Chris was a hardcore hiker. He liked to fish. Um, Donovan used to hunt, was more into guns now. Zach, uh, Zach's grandfather was actually a world-class uh, beagle trainer. And he, um, he raised hunting dogs uh, and actually sold the famous hunting dogs, him and her, to President Eisenhower. So Eisenhower's uh, presidential pups that he had were... Um, you know, reared by my, my co-founder's uh, grandfather, which is a cool story. So Zach had it in his blood. He's not a hunter, but um, he, he now has gotten like super into long distance shooting. Like everybody's just kind of got their own thing that they're excited about with this. And my expertise, I'm, I'm really good at the, like the user experience in that um, recognizing how things should work. Again, I'm not going to sit down and design it out, but I have good feedback with Donovan. 
Um, I am a marketer by, by like, that was my job as a creative director was to build the advertising. So in terms of like, I named the company, but also like, that's, that's not like, you got to go beyond that, right? Like, how do you get people excited about it? What's the story we're telling? What kind of advertising are we going to run? Um, you know, even today I still write most of the copy or a lot of the copy that comes from the brand. Now, not, not like our daily emails or anything, but, um, like most of the web copy I wrote, uh, that, that was hyper involved and all that. And then, I also like when it came to raise money and a lot of the business decisions uh, in the early days, that was all me. Now, Zach has kind of graduated into a president role, not kind of, he is the president of the company since 2019. Um, and, and he and I tag team a lot of that, but, and, and now we also have like mm, 11 full-time people, 15 total that are working on it. So it's, it's grown quite a bit, but uh, in the early days, man, we actually like literally bootstrap built, like Chris didn't know how to even do backend development, which is really more the plumbing side uh, of building an app, you know, making sure everything's hooked up. He taught himself how to do that, to be able to build the first version that we launched with. And then, That's cool, uh, man. That's yeah. Cool. And, then we, and then we hired a, a real backend developer and we, we still joke that he came in and told Chris how it actually should have been done. Yeah. That's cool. Those, I love those, uh, you know, you you figure it or you learn it as you go type of success stories. Those are, those are always my favorite ones. <clears throat> so you're kind of like the, uh, we're going to call you the architect, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, kind of like, I don't even like a visionary is kind of uh, like had the vision for the product. Couldn't have done it without any of these guys though. And this is what people get mad at me for saying this, but um, I will, I will say this till the end the day I die. Like, ideas aren't worth a damn thing, man. Like it, my idea for this platform would have died without the help to build it. And people think that like, um, like I, I still have people like reaching out about these ideas they have. And I'm like, I'm not going to help you build it. Like ideas become valuable and meaningful to other people when you build it. Like you got, if you're the one that had the idea, you got to be passionate enough about it to get it over the finish line. I think my best like literally the best thing I've done for go wild has uh, uh, short of like the concept of it has been to put together a world-class team. And I think anybody from our board members to our investors, to our own team would tell you that, um, you know, we have a great culture and a great team. So like I'm the architect, if you want to think of it that way, um, I, I had the vision for the product and I still maintain a lot of that and decide what we're going to work on next. But also like, I am a culture fanatic and I think through how we're going to treat each other and work together, um, obsess over it really. Like I, I obsess over culture and a lot of my job is just making sure that everybody here has what they need to get the job done. I had uh, the creator of the iHunter app on uh, a couple of podcasts back, uh, Mark Stinroos and, uh, he's talking about, um, you know, along the way with delivering software and getting an app going, uh, he, you know, he encountered, you know, a, a few hiccups. Was this something you guys struggled with or did you kind of just nail it right out of the gate? Oh, no, dude, we still don't nail it out of the gate. I mean, I, we screw up stuff all the time. We launched something the other day. It was totally broken. And, you know, we launched e-com and you couldn't buy something for like eight total days of December. Uh, if, if you're, if you're nailing everything and, and, you know, never making mistakes, you're moving way too slow. I mean, that's just my opinion, but, um, we move super fast. We, we launch a new version of the platform almost every single week. And, um, that, and that may, uh, may not mean a thing to somebody that's not in development, what, but, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean a new version? Like to me, a new version means like an up, like, yeah, an up update on your phone. Um, yeah. That seems like yeah. a lot of work. I mean, on my phone, I only get those maybe once, you know, once or twice a year. Not a, not yeah, once a lot a of week. apps are like some of our, and I don't even like calling them competition, but some of the other like 
air quote social media apps for hunters out there you know they're, they're paying an agency to do it they don't do any of the development themselves so they they'll they'll come in and pay an agency to work on it for a month and then they'll put that new update out there and they'll write a 20 grand check um you know to to thank you for updating our technology and then they'll do that again in six months uh we literally do that every single week and we have a very refined process that gets it done um we miss stuff though, man. I mean, we launch, we launch bad products all the time because we are, um, not risk averse at all. Like, in fact, like part of our culture is taking risk and, uh, trying to do stuff that nobody else is doing. And some, I mean, if you take that many risks, you're going to have failures. And if you're not having any failures, you're playing it way too safe in my opinion. Yeah. When you guys were building this thing, did you ever get to a point where you just had to scrap it and like start start fresh <laughs> we uh we launched in sep like september 8th or i think of 2017 and i think by the end of the month we had i don't know a thousand people on the platform or something we were super proud of it and then the entire app went down uh our amazon server actually crashed and we were so new to the game that we were on one server we didn't have a way to back it up or anything so we had to do a whole new version of the app uh it's not exactly what you're talking about but uh, that comes to mind as like one of the most gut-wrenching moments. Uh, I'm like, man, we just launched this and we worked so hard to get all these people using the platform. And it was a, a thousand people. It wasn't anything compared to what we have today. Um, but the, uh, you know, I think, I think of that as like a funny moment because we were down for 24 hours and we had to do uh, what's called an emergency release with Apple. Um, we, we've actually, though, if you saw the first designs of the platform, you wouldn't even recognize it. I mean, it's, we, we've, we've done many complete scraps of the platform in terms of like pretty major overhauls uh like probably five total uh, not total redesigns but but pretty significant redesigns since 2017 and we're in a, actually we're in the process of building out probably our biggest ever redesign right now wow that's a lot and i mean that's four years is a long time but i mean relatively it's that long well, I mean, if you're good. not innovating, you're dying though. It's like, we can't, we, we have to just keep learning and, and, uh, understanding what works better and building better because if literally, if you're not growing the platform, it's dying. Cause you know, it's just how technology works. Uh, there will be at some point and there's other, we're not the only, you know, bell at the ball. Um, I think we finally have earned our place in being the best for right now. Like your junkie named us the hunting social media app of the year right now. And there's, there's nice. um, other companies that have been around for a little bit longer than we have. And they've been doing the social thing for a little bit longer than we have. Uh, there, there are those companies on the fishing and the hunting side, but I think the recognition that we're doing something that's actually unique um, you know, there, there are a lot of, I mean, this is just a statement of fact. There are a lot of companies that do maps, out there like there's tons of options right uh that it's but in terms of the commerce and the way we're doing gear um right now we we're leading that pack and i'm super proud to say that because you could you've just heard me talk for like an hour and uh two minutes about how hard that's been right like i'm really proud of the fact that um we've gotten to that point but i mean if we're not we're not constantly evolving somebody else can come in and eat our lunch on that so uh, yeah we yeah, I mean, we're super aggressive on our development schedule. I get you. Yeah, I mean, the uh, technology world, it's its moving pretty quick. So how many users you got uh, hitting up the app now? You know, we don't typically release that. Uh, A it, lot? I'll say we, we, hundreds of thousands. Oh, um, nice. 
Yeah, we it's it's a lot. I mean, it's to the point where it like shouldn't really matter. Uh, back in the early days, our biggest fear was that you would download it and nobody would be there to hear you. Hear you. It's like if you're in the alone in the forest and you say something, does anybody hear it? Uh, it? It's it's to a point now to where I don't I don't worry about that at all. And in fact, sometimes like even on my um, my Go Wild account gets crazy good engagement. Sometimes I mean I'll, I'll post and um, you know sometimes something will go viral in there that I also posted on LinkedIn and it flopped on LinkedIn. And then sometimes I'll have the inverse approach. Like I'll post on LinkedIn and it didn't do well on Go Wild. Like our algorithm works the same for everybody, me included. Um, but it's to a point like sometimes I'll get 50 comments on something on the platform. And um, it's just really cool to see that kind of engagement uh, happening within a, you know, a little old brand like us. You know, I'm not Facebook has like 50,000 employees. Think about that, like yeah. 50,000. Um, and, you know, we've got 11. So, um, the, yeah, well, it's interesting on your you mentioned your uh, guys hitting up your poster because I did my first. uh first post yesterday so um but i think i got after that you know i I had like eight guys reach out to me and i you know i think i had like 12 or 15 followers after that and yeah it was pretty cool that's cool man that's good to hear we're working on some things to make um following people a little easier and i mean we're we're trying to make always trying to improve and make those connections more natural but um i think think the thing people will find is we're you're not going to find a platform that, uh, you know, we decided early, we didn't want to be a faceless platform and maybe, you know, TBD on if that was the best of business decision or not, but I didn't want to be the wizard behind the curtain. Um, so you're, you're going to find out real quick who's running the platform. You'll get that direct message from me. You're going to connect with other people on our team. They're going to check in on you and see how you're doing. If you have a bug, if you have a problem, we're easy to find. If you have a suggestion, we're easy to find. If we screw up, I'll tell you, like it's a, it's a, we run it like a small business because we are, man. I know it's a tech company, but um, it's 11 people. And, you know, I, uh, I just take a lot of pride in the fact that um, we've built it ourselves and, you know, we still um, majority owners ourselves and, and run it that way. So. Yeah, no, man, it's definitely something to be proud of. So uh, you got a podcast as well, don't you? I do. I got two podcasts, uh, Gearbox Talk, which is a YouTube based show uh, where we, we hit a lot of stuff beginner level. And um, I have a show that is uh, called Restless Native, which is more typically talking to people about how they got into the industry or talking about in, in, it. It's not always um, industry driven, um, but but it's more of a, you know, finding people who have found success in the outdoors industry and how they did that. Yeah. So uh, how many episodes you you got under your belt now? Uh, Restless Native, I think, is on like 120 something. Um, I have done probably 40 or so guest appearances, maybe 50 or so, um, on other shows. And then I've done, I think gearbox talk is approaching 50 episodes. So I don't know, whatever that more than 200 podcasts, I think. Yeah. So you're a seasoned vet. You got any advice for a, for a rookie podcaster? Yeah. Keep at it, man. Uh, Cody rich had already done 400 shows when he gave me this advice and he said, it'll take you a hundred shows to really figure out what your voice is going to be. And I thought that's insane, but it really took like, you, you don't get into your comfort zone until at least 50 shows deep. And it sounds stupid, but um, I really just found like at, at a certain point, what I thought the show was going to be changed. And that happened with um, really quickly with gearbox talk um, because we had YouTube data. You don't get that kind of data on podcasting and maybe somebody should develop that company and figure that out, but it's hard to know where people drop off and all that good stuff. Like uh, it's just tough to know how people are listening or enjoying it. And 
Um, it just, it's just keep at it and don't be disheartened. If you don't, another thing Cody told me, he's like, you're going to pretty much top off at the same amount of downloads for like your first hundred shows and it won't grow and it's going to suck. And that's why most people quit because they don't think it's worth it. And then, you know, over time, the people that make it past the 100 point, uh, they they've been through so many creating so many shows and they've refined their show down to where that's something that they feel confident in. And those are the good shows, right? Like that's when, when you have listening to someone that has confidence and speaks with confidence and has good product because they've worked hard on it. Um, that's typically where the good shows are. You know, uh, I, I, for a long time, um, and still today, I, I actually just turned down a podcast today. I just don't like to be people's first guests, even the first 10 guests. I didn't, I don't think I asked you how many guests you'd had. So maybe I didn't qualify here. Uh, but but <laughs> well, a lot of times I, we're in the twenties. So I still right, got, a, I got a long way to go to a hundred yet, but uh, yeah, but I better. actually tw 20 is the point where I usually will like no brainer do it because, uh, I've, I did one where I was supposed to be a dude second and I talked to him for two hours one night and he didn't release it. He decided he didn't want to do a podcast. And I was like, man, that sucks. And I've had that happen a couple of times. And it's like, uh, I, I don't like to be your test to see if you're going to do the podcast thing or not. So 20 is usually my uh, minimum unless I know the person that's starting it and then I'll, I'll do it. But, um, you know, time is valuable. And um, anytime I'm, I'm doing this is great promotion for the platform, even if it's reaching 50 people, you know, it's still 50 people that can find out about our brand. And if 10% of those go off to be super fans and they tell, uh, you know, 20 of their friends that was worth my time. Um, but, but so I don't, I don't get too hung up on the size of the podcast. I just don't like people that, uh, I don't like to, to do it when people bounce on it. But, um, my advice is just to keep grinding, man. It's like anything, you know, keep grinding, keep, keep refining and, you know, listening to your audience. And, um, if, if you get people telling you to have somebody on, there's probably some credence to that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Okay, man. Um, where can, uh, where can Canadians hit you up at? Uh, so if you go to the app store, you'll just type in go wild. That's one word and you'll, you'll find us there. You'll probably find our competition bidding on our name. Make sure you click the ad first to cost them a little bit of money and then you can come back and download our app. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, you'll see our app. It's, uh, you know, our color, uh, schematic is black and yellow and white. So download the go wild app there. You, we do have a desktop login. So if you're on a computer that, uh, you can go to time to go wild.com and, the the thing i'll say about desktop it's awesome for shopping the social side is not as mature you know i told you that we've been building this on for like almost five years on the mobile side but the the website we actually didn't launch until last year so the 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 social log on a login on web is still being developed it's cool i use it for like surfing content and answering messages we just don't have quite as much functionality on there yet it's all coming down the road um actually actually one of the jobs we're hiring for right now is to work on that project but uh, yeah, if you go to the app store, search go wild or go to time to go wild.com and you'll find us there. Yeah. There's a lot of savings on there too. I was playing around with that and man, you can save like 20% on some stuff. It's great. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about gear at all really, but I mean, dude, the, um, the shopping stuff that we're working on is awesome. We're going to be introducing a lot of, um, a lot of different opportunities. You know, we're a startup e-com company now. So we're, we're really scrapping hard to get people used to shopping with us and trying to show value. There's going to be a lot of things coming out in the future. I can't say yet because I've done that in the past and then we changed our mind. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, there's things we're working on that are going to make it really worthwhile for people who are using the platform. We want to be, um, 
loyal to those who are loyal to us and we want to give back to you guys. And so there's, um, all I can say is just start using the platform and you'll start to see opportunities. One of the, like, for example, I'll tell you what we did. We did this in, um, beginning of February, everybody that was on the platform, we gave them $10 to shop with. Um, and, and, and Kevin, if you didn't see that, let me know, uh, afterwards, shoot me a DM and I'll send you your code. But we sent out a, a code for, um, just $10 off of 15. So we, we didn't even make money on this, um, you know, to do this to people, but we really want people to get used to, you know, the idea that there's a new player in town on, on where you can find your, your optics, your hunting clothes, your boots, you know, we're, we're starting to sell a lot of stuff. We sell like 10,000 different items directly now. Um, we've been selling the crap out of these little stoves that we've got. We've got a lot of cool stuff on the platform, but, um, all that's coming, you know, I think it's a great place to get rewarded. And if nothing else, you know, we donate 1% of our proceeds, uh, our profits into an outdoor camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish and shoot. So, um, awesome. you know, if, if nothing else, and you were going to buy it anyways, from a big box store, just know that if you support our small business, like we're doing everything we can to give back and to really make sure there's a future generation out there. That's, that's learning how to do all this stuff that we love. Yeah. Great, man. Okay, man, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, thanks for your time. I know, uh, I know you're a busy man and anybody listening, make sure you guys go out and download the go wild app or, or hit them up on your desktop. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Yep. You believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it.